I'm not going to sit here and complain about how hard it is, or how difficult it is to do this. I'm not going to complain about any of that stuff. I hear because I want the job. I'm going to bring that attitude to the job every day, and people can tell, and that makes a difference. From WNYC and New Jersey Public Radio, it's the Christie Tracker. And I want you to ask yourself, who's the person who's most tested, most mature? I am more political maturity than anybody else on that stage. He who endures conquers. I am ready to beat Hillary Clinton. I want your support to do it. I'm David First. After the Republican debate hosted by CNBC last week, two major themes emerged. One, This primary could still break wide open for those so-called second-tier candidates. And two, demonizing the media is good for business, at least in a Republican primary. Two figures who have been struggling to break out of that lower status had huge moments attacking the media during the debate. New Jersey's Governor Chris Christie and Senator Ted Cruz of Texas. Here now to talk about these two forceful politicians who have been uh, battling for the spotlight and scraps of time during the debates is Matt Katz, who covers Governor Christie for New Jersey Public Radio and WNYC, and Ben Philpott, who covers politics and policy for KUT Radio in Austin, Texas, and is a co-host of the podcast covering the election, The Ticket 2016. Welcome. Thanks, David. Hello. So, Matt, first of all, what do these guys think about each other? Good friends, uh, likely candidates for hanging out together at Cowboys games with Jerry Jones? No, I, I, I can. It's hard for me to imagine them um, spending much personal time together, other than the fact that Ted Cruz went to Princeton and therefore lived in New Jersey for four years when when the governor lived in New Jersey. I don't know if they have much in common at all. I would say that of all the people up on that debate stage, Rand Paul is the guy that Christie despises the most. I mean, that is his natural um, ideological and maybe stylistic rival. But I would say Ted Cruz is second to that. I mean, these guys don't seem to have that much in common in terms of policy. They seem to represent two different strands of the Republican Party. But I also just don't see them personally really necessarily getting along. I read something over the weekend about Ted Cruz reminiscing about going to see Star Wars in 1980. And... Chris Christie is not a Star Wars type of guy. In 1980, he was down the Jersey Shore uh, rocking out to Springsteen. So rocking out to Springsteen, not geeking out to Star Wars. Right. He's more of that guy. And there are other like differences if you just look at their rhetoric. Um, Christie rarely talks about faith. And when he does, it's in service of another position. Therefore, you'll hear him talk about faith when it comes to the, the need for drug rehabilitation. But he doesn't make it the, the centerpiece of his rhetorical approach. Very much different from Ted Cruz. Well, I don't know that Ted Cruz has any friends on the uh, campaign trail in 2016 or friends in Congress uh, or definitely the Senate. I think he does have some friends in the House who uh, like his style of trying to blow up uh, federal government. Um, the, the Freedom Caucus is probably very supportive of Ted Cruz. But, uh, yeah, I, he doesn't come off as a guy who is the person who you'd want to go out to a bar with or go see Star Wars with or, you know, go have dinner with. You know, for six and a half years, we've had a gigantic party. If you want someone to grab a beer with, I may not be that guy. But if you want someone to drive you home, I will get the job done. 
and I will get you home. He's very much always on, always campaigning, and therefore doesn't really lend himself to uh, personal interactions beyond here are my points of view and I hope you'll vote for me. Whereas Christie is like this touchy-feely, personable type guy who, if he doesn't want to seem on, can seem like the guy next to you at the airport bar. I'm going to go upstairs, I'm going to open a beer, I'm going to order a pizza, I'm going to watch the Mets. (laughs) Some stylistic differences for sure, but there are some similarities. Both Cruz and Christie lay claim to this, this kind of unlikely role, the insider outsider, the guy who is part of the system but fights it from within. Uh, With Cruz, you know, shutting down the government, filibustering up a storm about uh, reasons to defund Obamacare on the Senate floor, or Christie claiming that as a Republican governor in a blue state with a Democrat-dominated legislature, you know, he, he wakes up as the ultimate outsider every day. Ben, as pundits continue to predict that the non-politicians in this race, Donald Trump, Ben Carson, Carly Fiorina, will fade, if that ever happens, can Cruz and Christie move in and claim that support? Well, I think Cruz is maybe a little better positioned to go after the Trump Carson Fiorina crowd in that, you know, he's already been, you know, he's had campaign events with Donald Trump and it took him, I believe he was the very last candidate to even declare that he was actually running against Donald Trump and hoped Donald Trump did not win the nomination. He just has very much this outsider persona, uh, again, wanting to do things totally differently than uh, the establishment, you know, Republicans, whatever that means, like Bush and Rubio. And so I feel like they're almost going after two separate audiences, uh, at least in terms of how the GOP primary is set up right now. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think that uh, Christie's best hope is to get those supporters and donors who are backing the establishment. So that means he's hoping for, uh, you know, Jeb Bush collapse uh, more than a Ben Carson collapse. I could really see, I mean, a lot of things would have to fall uh, certain ways, and certainly Christie is doing terribly in the polls. Um, but I could certainly see a scenario where, where these two guys ended up as, as the last two standing and that they really represent different wings of the party. I think the only intersection that they might have is in Texas, where Christie has spent a lot of time cultivating donors and he got uh, about $25,000 from Jerry Jones and his family and uh, those affiliated with, with Jones, who of course is the owner of the Dallas Cowboys, who's uh, spent a lot of time with Christie. The biggest moment, uh, pretty much everyone agrees, of the CNBC debate last week came courtesy of Senator Cruz. The questions that have been asked so far in this debate illustrate why the American people don't trust the media. This is not a cage match. And you look at the questions, Donald Trump, are you a comic book villain? Ben Carson, can you do math? John Kasich, will you insult two people over here? Marco Rubio, why don't you resign? Jeb Bush, why have your numbers fallen? How about talking about the substantive issues people care about? Ben, this mainstream media is biased against us and asks unfair questions is obviously a huge applause line. But how far does that type of uh, criticism take Senator Cruz, you know, before you do actually have to answer a a question about substance, which he was actually being asked at that moment? Well, you know, I mean, 
I think based on what we're seeing in the Republican primary right now, it'll take them pretty far. When you're talking just about those primary voters, those voters that are to the right of the Republican Party as a whole, um, you know, those are the voters that are putting Donald Trump or excuse me now, Ben Carson first, Donald Trump second. And so there's no reason why they wouldn't just eat that up and say, "Okay, that's great. I mean, if you look at Ben Carson and Donald Trump, they're not laying out a whole lot of specifics. And the specifics they are laying out are, you know, being picked apart by economists and and other, you know, more uh, nonpartisan groups saying, you know, these plans won't be able to work. At the moment, that doesn't matter to the Republican voter that is paying attention in this primary. So if Ted Cruz doesn't give specifics and just says mainstream media is horrible. Nobody watching at home believes that any of the moderators has any intention of voting in a Republican primary. Uh, Obama is horrible. Uh, We need to completely change Washington. If you see a candidate who Washington embraces, run and hide. At the moment, that really seems to be enough for people. And, and, you know, there was at least one response from the mainstream media that agreed. Uh, Eric Wemple, media critic for The Washington Post, ran a piece called Media Bashing Ted Cruz is Right. Um, He said Cruz had the line of the night with his attack on the media. And while he took issue with the fact that uh, Cruz was actually avoiding answering a real question on a real issue with this response, he says, you know, Cruz is right to call out CNBC when it comes to asking questions like, Questions about electability. He sums up this line of questioning as, explain to me why you're a chump. Well, I definitely think that uh, there could have been better questions. Um, You know, of course, I was not asked to participate in the debate. So who knows? Maybe I would have had bad questions, too. But, you know, one of the problems that reporters, especially on the campaign trail, face, you know, people like me and Matt who are trying to go around and, and visit these candidates as they're talking to people, You know, when we do ask a question on substance, we are not given a whole lot to go on. I mean, sometimes you will have a candidate, especially when they're trying to push a very specific thing, when they finally have a white paper on tax cuts or on education or something like that. When those specifics are laid out and they're ready to talk about them, then you might get something of substance. But, you know, especially in terms of talking with Senator Ted Cruz, He is so good at spending, you know, you ask him the big question, what about this? And he will spend about five seconds complimenting you on, you know, that's a good question. I think it's a point that needs to be figured out for the American people. And then he spends seven minutes on one of his talking points that may or may not have anything to do with your question. Uh, And that's what you get when you ask questions of a champion debater. I think sometimes the media is so frustrated with the fact that they aren't getting answers on some of these questions that you end up with crazy stuff like, how's your fantasy football team? (laughs) (laughs) And that leads us to Governor Christie. And uh, uh, Matt, you know, analysts uh, once again said that despite his minimal speaking time, Governor Christie managed to make an impact during the debate, especially like Cruz with his comments on the media and fantasy football, a line of questioning from CNBC. Carl, are we really talking? So here's what we say this. We have a government involved. In fantasy football, we have, wait a second, we have $19 trillion in debt, we have people out of work, we have ISIS and Al-Qaeda attacking us, and we're talking about fantasy football?
we get the government to do what they're supposed to be doing? Secure our borders, protect our people, and support American values and American families. Enough on fantasy football. Let people play. Who cares? Christie's style is similar but different. He, he, instead of complimenting the questioner, he usually bashes the questioner, whether it be at a press conference or a debate, and criticizes the nature of the question. So, so obviously going after moderators was really second nature to him. And then he will not necessarily totally avoid the question. He actually has come forward with more specifics in terms of policy than maybe anybody else in this race. After the debate, I think we saw a distinction between how the Christie camp and uh, the Cruz campaign handled things. Senator Cruz was among the candidates calling for changes to the debate format, even saying that he only wants moderators who have voted in Republican primaries to host future GOP debates. It is in the interest of Republican primary voters to have debates moderated by people who will actually vote in a Republican primary. On the Democratic side, if you're a Democrat, every Democratic primary debate is moderated typically by liberal Democrats. Christie argues, uh, no, it's a sign of weakness to say that the format needs to be changed, to let them, uh, let the idiots in the media ask anything they want. We can handle any question. They think it was hard last night. Um, it was it was tiddlywinks compared to what it's going to be come September of 2016. Ben, what about that? Is is it a sign of weakness to say that the format needs to be changed? You know, I don't, uh, I don't think that it's a sign of weakness. I think that he very much believes if on really rigid conservative ideals and principles he has asked questions that he's going to wipe the floor with everyone else out there that his record of standing by his ideals and standing by his principles is just going to kill everyone else he he can't be pointed as a flip-flopper he can't be pointed as someone who's even compromised with democrats and so if the debate were focused just on some of those really conservative ideals, I think he views that as, as he would just clearly win the debate. Other things that weren't mentioned in the debate, Common Core, ISIS, Iran. But you know what? We had plenty of time to talk about fantasy football. We need to be focusing on the real issues that matter. Our country is in crisis, and we need to stand up and lead to turn it around. Stop the craziness of government regulation. They are in every part of our lives. And by the way, that's what I was saying the other night with the fantasy football answer. This government now thinks it should be in everything, including your fantasy football league, for goodness sake. It's ridiculous. Get the government out of our pockets and off our backs. Let American ingenuity and work ethic determine who's the winner in this country. And, you know, after the debate, Christie got just the endorsement he was looking for. The New York Times editorial board called for him to drop out of the race and start paying attention to New Jersey again. Yeah, he's been uh, fundraising off that since it happened. (laughs) Yeah, you know, Matt and I were actually together when that happened uh, in Washington, D.C. And uh, I got to tell you, both of us just were scratching our heads about that editorial. I mean, it just did not seem... It seemed like maybe they had written it expecting Christie to have a bad night at the debate, and they were hoping that this would be that you know final nail in the coffin. But, of course, he had a good night 
uh, or, you know, a better night, and yet they still went ahead and printed it. I, it was really interesting. Here's Christie taking full advantage of the situation with Bill O'Reilly on Fox News. Why does the New York Times not like you? Because I'm a successful Republican in a blue state right next door to them. But they say you're not successful. Well, they're just dead wrong. I mean, the people of New Jersey have determined I'm successful. They elected me twice, and 61% of the vote the last time, 51% of the Hispanic vote. They seem to be mostly harping on his record in, in New Jersey, which is technically unrelated to the debate. And I understand that. And that's both a, a vulnerability for him, um, but also a strength. So, I mean, he, he has a governing record as an executive that editorial writers and opponents can point to, whereas senators like Ted Cruz don't, um, and therefore you know, Cruz is protected in that way. On the other hand, this week, President Obama comes to New Jersey to do a uh, event about public safety in Newark. And what can Christie do as the governor of New Jersey? He can snap his fingers, as he did, and create an event in Camden on public safety and use his campaign apparatus to attack the president for having an event in Newark and taking credit for public safety improvements. It's wonderful for the president to come to New Jersey and acknowledge the work that's been done in New Jersey by leaders of New Jersey. Um, this is really has what's happening here and what he's celebrating today has nothing to do with anything that the federal government had anything to do with. And at the same time, use his government apparatus to clear the uh, Camden County Police Headquarters and bring in uh, his podium and press and talk about how he has improved public safety in the city. Being governor can work both ways. Are you suggesting that there may be a blurring of lines here between a government event and oh, perhaps a campaign event? I, I mean, it's the first time in the world that has ever happened, and I'm, I'm just <laughs> horrified. But uh, yeah, there's a bit of a blurring. I mean, you know, Ted Cruz's uh, filibuster might have been considered a bit of, bit of a blurring after he went out and fundraised off of it, right? So they, they all use their positions. Uh, but being an executive, uh, there's more potential to take advantage of it for your political benefit than there might be as senator. Well, I'm sure there are people out there who would argue that Ted Cruz's entire Senate term has been a presidential campaign. As there are people that would argue that Christie's entire governorship has been a presidential campaign. Maybe this is something they could talk about. They should they should hang out more. <laughs> they have more in common than they think. Ben Philpot covers politics and policy for KUT in Austin, Texas, also co-hosts the podcast covering the election, The Ticket. Matt Katz covers Governor Christie for New Jersey Public Radio and WNYC. Thank you both. Thanks, David. See you, Ben. Have you noticed that every one of these candidates say, you know, Obama's weak, Putin's kicking sand in his face. When I talk to Putin, uh, he's going to straighten out. Just looking at him, I'm going to, he's going to be. And then it turns out they can't handle a bunch of CNBC moderators. Guest commentary there, courtesy of the president. The Christie Tracker podcast is a production of WNYC and New Jersey Public Radio. Thanks to associate producer Joseph Capriglione. And special thanks this week to KUT and The Ticket 2016. Our theme music is by 29-Hour Music People. You can subscribe to the Christie Tracker podcast on iTunes. You can like us on Facebook. And you can follow Matt Katz at MattKatz00. That's Matt K-A-T-Z. I'm David First, and to close today, a perfect example of what Matt was talking about earlier, Christie's technique 
of bashing the questioner at a press conference. Here he is responding to a question from, yes, Matt Katz, on the way the governor's administration has selectively chosen crime stats in Camden. Oh, I'm glad, I'm glad, Matt, that, that uh, you've now found yourself to be a law enforcement expert, and you can add, and you can and you can analyze the numbers. This is when the change occurred in the city, and it's down 53 percent from when we changed police forces. And if you don't think it's different here, then you haven't spent nearly as much time here as I have. <laughs> 